You might have heard of Marcus Aurelius. He was a Roman emperor from the 2nd century, best known for his meditations on Stoic philosophy. He said this, anger is the opposite of strength. Now, you may not be the biggest fan of Stoic philosophy, and really who is, but I want you to ponder this short sentence with me. Anger is the opposite of strength. This simple yet true statement is packed with tons of wisdom. When emotions are running high, particularly when they're negative, it's difficult to think straight and make sound judgments. When someone in a highly agitated state approaches you, it's easy to lose your calm and get swayed by that person's emotion. So, in an effort to figure out a way to fix a challenging situation and bring peace to the chaos, it helps to step back for a moment, to see things from a higher vantage point, where you can see everything just a little bit clearer. Welcome to The Leading Edge, a podcast brought to you by ARS Global Emergency Management. In our previous episode, we discussed four core pillars of effective communication, especially when it comes to listening. Here's a quick recap. One, you need to check your dissonance at the door. Two, Quickly lead yourself from the reaction stage to the engaged stage. Three, try to be interested rather than interesting. And four, really make others feel valuable. Think of these as four big principles to just always keep in mind. Nevertheless, these concepts might come across as a bit vague and you might think that they're not very practical for your day-to-day interactions. So in today's conversation, we're going to talk about three techniques that we can start applying today. These three techniques are really quite simple to practice and can be surprisingly effective when it comes to gaining the trust and confidence of the person that you're dealing with. Yes and no. Maybe these are the first words besides mom and dad possibly that every baby learns. These two simple words can be used hundreds of times every day and have enormous power to crafting our thinking and charting our courses. Yes signifies agreement, and on the other hand, no lies in clear disagreement. The truth is, the more instances of no shared between two individuals, the higher the barrier that emerges between them. Now, I'm not talking about the cases where no is inevitable, because there are times when we must say no, times when it can't compromise our values, integrity, and or our safety. What I'm referring to is the instances of no that arise during emotionally charged scenarios when individuals feel trapped and understandably respond with either aggression or defensiveness. It's almost like the word no becomes an automatic response at times. And these no's mean there's a strong resistance between you and the other individual. One of the most challenging parts of communication is transitioning people from resisting to listening, and then eventually moving them to considering. I'll put it another way. If you can overcome the hurdle of initial resistance, the following steps will prove to be significantly more manageable. Remember that these two simple words, yes and no, have enormous power. The first technique, therefore, is to help shift the other person's no into a yes. A few years ago, a colleague on my team suddenly showed a great decline in their productivity. And at that time, we were working on an important project, and he just wasn't picking up the speed as was intended. Our other team members, they were patient at first, but in time, and quite understandably, they became frustrated. As the team lead, I was also aware of this issue, and I knew it was my responsibility to interject and to do something. 
the easiest thing to do is to go right into his office and say something like, look, I need you to get your act together. You're slacking and it's affecting others. We're all under the same pressure and we need you to just get your job done properly. If you do something like this, you'll likely get a response with a yes, but as in a yes, but a yes, but I need more time or yes, but I need more assistance or yes, but not right now. If you keep pushing them more, this will likely cause defensiveness and potentially even anger. It's good to note that yes, but is not generally a true yes anyways. It's likely a no sugar-coated with a yes. We need to find a way to help people get a full yes to really connect with them and ideally bring them up to the same speed. So before I went in to meet with my colleague, I checked my dissonance at the door and I realized that the pattern he had been showing since he had joined the team for almost a year, he had been consistently reliable, showing off impressive creativity. And there were a couple of times he requested a time extension, but it was to offer a higher quality deliverable, so it made sense. And I also thought how value it had been to the entire team. His talent and commitment were definitely something I respected. So when I got into his office after this pre-meeting preparation I had with myself, I was able to approach him with openness and empathy. Within a single minute, I discovered that he was in the midst of a pretty difficult situation. He chose to keep this private because he didn't want others to think his work was being affected by his personal life. Although it was evident that his work was impacted by this situation, he still wanted to keep it under wrap. So I decided to empathize with the negative thoughts that he must have been experiencing, and I said something along the lines of this. Listen, I know you're trying really hard to make this project work, and I can imagine that you're dealing with a lot right now is really tough. You might be feeling concerned because you think we're not happy with your work, and I understand that you probably feel like no one really gets how difficult it is to handle everything that's happening in your life. The key here was starting from a place where his answer would be a full yes, not a yes, but. Yes, and preferably a cascade of them going forward. You might think this technique is a little tacky, but try this magic for yourself. When you empathize with what the other individual states in words, and you say it in front of that person, it allows you both to hear it better. This simple act puts you on the person's side and makes you think about a mutual solution that benefits all. In addition, the individual will realize that you really do understand and that you're taking time to listen. Side note, this is less of a strategy and really more of an approach. An approach that is based on honesty. You can't fake empathy or interest in another person's perspective. They'll see right through it. While this approach in honesty can lay great groundwork for future conversations, this approach as a strategy will only cause long-term disconnect. Empathy is a sensory experience. It turns on the part of the body that helps you feel things, including something called the mirror neuron. Anger, on the other hand, is a motor action. It's more like the way your body acts when you do something physical because you're upset. When you help someone come out of anger and shift them into an empathetic behavior, empathy moves them from the part of their brain that controls movement to the part that senses things. To explain it simply, you can't feel both anger and empathy at the same time. When one comes in, the other has to go out. When you help someone who's blaming others understand how they feel, you can stop an agitated reaction really quick. Going back to the story I had with my coworker, we were able to come up with some strategies that worked for both sides. When he knew that he was understood and accepted, even in the midst of a challenging time in his life, he was able to gain peace and confidence. It took some time for things to settle down, but in the end, it worked out for everyone involved, and it started from getting that full yes instead of getting a yes but which is really a no.
We all have moments where we feel we're stretched beyond our own abilities, the need to pull off an undeniably important task without a hitch, with limited time. It can really be quite draining. This wariness can open the door for negativity to come in and potentially expand. Because negativity is contagious. If you don't contain it quickly, it will cause people to go into a tailspin over sometimes minor and readily handled problems. You can see this in large-scale events where panic sets in and large groups of people spiral away from logical thinking in favor of the worst possible outcome. The issue itself can start off being small, but once it gets mixed with anxiety, fear, and frustration, it can escalate rapidly. This phenomenon is also common when working in a pressured environment. In the past, I've managed large-scale live performances that invited thousands of audiences. When it comes to keeping every team member on track, I learned quickly that it's extremely important to engage with people who are not prone to getting overly worked up about relatively small problems. For instance, when under stress, people can begin a chaotic rant about how bad a problem is and act as if it's the absolute worst thing in the world. It's common for people to use exaggeration to recount events and express their stance. I'm sure you can think of someone particular right now that does this. Before or during a live performance, it's very probable that unforeseen issues arise when they are least anticipated. It's like the Murphy's Law of the live event world. As a result, I've seen people react with a hint of drama and launch into these chaotic rants. When that happened, I had a simple yet powerful sentence at my disposal. It was a powerful sentence that said this, Is that true? I would ask them to think for a moment and consider, Is that really true? Don't get me wrong here, I mean, you can't ask the question with aggression or in a degrading manner. That's only going to worsen the matter. You need to ask the question in a very calm, straightforward way. A gentle answer that diffuses agitation. Like asking with curiosity instead of scrutiny. This question will make the person stop and evaluate. And maybe they'll see that they've unnecessarily been exaggerating the issue. What's great about this one-liner is that it's really versatile. I work at an emergency management company. We work with a number of property managers from various types of properties. Property management is a job that requires a skill set including rapid prioritization, effective communication, and creative problem solving a lot of the time. Highly competent property managers also possess impressive people skills, as their job requires dealing with different people and their varying interests, and many times in stressful situations. Not too long ago, I came across an intriguing story about an impressive property manager. He was overseeing a property facing some important, but not immediately urgent infrastructure issues. While most tenants were understanding of the temporary inconvenience that comes along with projects like this, there's always a small number who stand out, and this time was no exception. A concerned tenant stormed into his office, expressing his frustration about how poorly the property was being managed. He even claimed that the management company was the worst and that this living conditions couldn't possibly decline any further. After his unreasonable outburst subsided, the property manager speaking in a calm and gentle manner just asked the tenant, Do you really believe that's true? As you've said, everyone in the property management department here is incapable and clueless. Are you suggesting there isn't even a single person here who knows what they're doing at all? Instead of engaging in a heated argument to demonstrate why the tenant's perspective was mistaken, this insightful property manager simply repeated what the tenant had stated. Right then, the tenant realized that he was caught within his own exaggeration. Only after a couple of sentences did the tenant calm down and make some requests for assistance. It only took a few minutes for this manager to bring an angry tenant into a calm and cooperative state. If you have influence over people where individuals come to you for work-related issues, it's quite possible that you sometimes encounter irrational emotional responses. In fact, that's quite common because we're all human. 
We lose our calm when things get stressful. The fact that people come to you to make complaints or simply just to get things off their chest means you have influence over how they would respond and can help cause a shift to openness. Now, don't get confused between openness and agreeableness. Being open means you intentionally create time and space to hear what the other person has to say and assess its relevance from their point of view. On the other hand, being agreeable means you agree with what the other person says apart from whether it's correct or not. However, when bringing up untrue and unreasonable statements, you can't afford to be agreeable. Placating someone is a very poor form of leadership and generally detrimental to effective communication. While you do need to stand your ground, directly fighting back against an emotionally charged individual usually leads to unfavorable outcomes. Instead, try this approach. Reflect their words back to them so they can see it from their own position. The last practical technique I'd like to share with you is a tactic that I've found from many successful leaders. In fact, I've learned this from watching them closely and decided to take it as my own. And to my surprise, this has been benefiting me especially when communicating in challenging situations. I call this tactic the stipulation approach. I borrow the term from courtroom procedures when at the beginning lawyers agree on something, whether it's a fact, a promise, or a provision. They set the expectations with something called a stipulation. Now, let me explain what this technique is about. When people already know or are willing to find out the problem that you might want to hide but need to admit to, it's best to get it out of the way as quickly as possible. Many of us spend a considerable amount of time and energy trying to hide our weaknesses, even when they're quite clear to everyone who interacts with us. This often leads to making others uncomfortable. When they notice that we're concealing a rather apparent problem, they end up trying hard not to talk about it and avoid thinking about it. To make matters more complex, when they feel discomfort, we can't make an emotional connection because they're trying too hard to avoid making that connection in the first place. Just think about the last time you tried to talk to someone when they had something stuck in their teeth or their zipper down. You exert more mental energy trying to avoid the situation than you do on the actual subject of the conversation. Here's a fast and efficient way to solve this issue. If there's an obvious problem that's blocking your connection with someone else, it's smart to just address it right away. Now, it's not always easy but it is smart. When you're admitting an issue up front, you eliminate the element of surprise and end up neutralizing the problem. Let me give you a personal example of what I mean. A little over a year ago, I had this ailing back problem that eventually led to a much needed surgery. Prior to the surgery, the pain and the discomfort meant I needed to augment my daily interactions as I could only tolerate small periods of time standing or being in meetings. I had an important meeting on the books and I knew it would be a challenge to operate as I would under normal circumstances. Instead of trying to just get through the meetings that day, I knew it would be better to address my situation right out of the gate. So I let the attendees of the meeting know right at the start that I had limited time due to my back pain and that I would need to sit for almost the entirety of the meeting. I also let them know if I had to leave early, it wasn't a reflection of how the meeting was going, but just a reality of my physical condition. With that dealt with at the top, we had a great meeting with an effective outcome. But had I not addressed the issue, there was a high probability that they would have been too focused on my condition to really engage in the matter at hand. Additionally, they might have been confused as to why I had limited attention and limited time. We can help set expectations appropriately by addressing real or potential problems right out of the gate. While you might feel like this is something that's going to take the window to your sales, I'd argue that this will really allow you to sail more freely in the conversations ahead. Communicating is like building a bridge between two individuals. And when there's an obstacle in between those two, 
that becomes visible to both parties, it's just wise to acknowledge it promptly. While beating around the bush may sometimes seem considerate or polite, if you want to create effective communication, you need to create an environment where the other person is comfortable being honest and straightforward with you. Taking the extra step, such as using the stipulation approach, can set the stage for communication that flows effortlessly while remaining absolutely genuine. Language is one of humanity's most potent tools. The impact of words go far beyond their literal meanings. They possess the power to wound deeply or mend. They can destroy or build. They can cause isolation or connection. And of course, they can inspire us. Choosing the best words for effective communication is dependent on our ability and our commitment to listening well to others. Listening is not about staying quiet and letting the other person talk on and on. But think of it as a symphony. If human communication is a symphony, well then active listening is the conductor that orchestrates harmonious interactions. It's to recognize what the other person is really trying to say beyond the spoken words and then guide the conversation towards a direction that holds the benefit for both the speaker and the listener. It's in this moment, through this understanding, can your words help to mend, to build, to connect, and to inspire. We've mentioned it before on various platforms, but we recommend that you consider being interested over interesting because it's a powerful tool for communication and engagement. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Indeed, communication is a dynamic and ever-evolving domain that offers endless avenues for exploration. And I look forward to our future interactions where we can continue to exchange knowledge and insights on effective communication. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Our email is podcast at arsgem.com. I'm your host, Donnie Coos, and our producer is Abigail Chung. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Your support means a lot to us and helps us keep producing great content that we're passionate about. So join us next time for another fascinating discussion. And until then, take care, stay curious, and keep exploring. 